Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is WBEZ's Weekly News Recap. Each week, we catch you up on the biggest local and state stories that you might have missed. Stories like these. The Chicago Bears appear to be making a push for the Burbs. The team has struck a deal to buy the Arlington Racecourse property. So we are here today on the south side of Chicago in Jackson Park to officially break ground on the Obama Presidential Center. A jury in the federal trial of R. Kelly has found the singer guilty of racketeering based on sexual exploitation of children, kidnapping, and forced labor. Former 22nd Ward Alderman Ricardo Munoz entered the plea today to charges that he drained $16,000 from the bank account of City Council's Progressive Reform Caucus. Joining me for those stories and more, WTTW political correspondent Amanda Vinicky of Chicago Tonight. Welcome back, Amanda. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And Bill Cameron, former longtime City Hall reporter for WLS Radio. Good to have you back on Reset, Bill. Good to be back. Thanks. Start with you. The Chicago Bears, they're another step closer to moving out of Soldier Field and into the suburbs. What is the latest? Well, I think uh, the the Bears brass in the front office are far more entertaining than the players on the field, aren't they? <laughs> yes. The, the moguls at Hallis Hall have uh, put up a $197 million bid to buy the Arlington Park Racecourse to put up what is undoubtedly a domed stadium. And I think it's going to happen because the mayor keeps wondering, what do the Bears want to stay at Soldier Field? And they don't tell her, she says, which means they've already decided to move to Arlington Park. So it'll take many years, and the Bears will have to pay some penalties, maybe up to $84 million to break the current lease, which goes until like 2033. But that's not a big penalty in NFL So I think we're about to lose the Bears, and I think, well, the first Mayor Daley used to say they can't call themselves the Chicago Bears. They'll have to call themselves the Arlington Heights Bears. I think it would probably be smart for Chicago not to contest that in in court, but save a little bit of their reputation by letting them continue to call themselves the Chicago Bears. After all, many suburban businesses call themselves Chicago. Even the Botanic Gardens. A public entity calls itself the Chicago Botanic Gardens. So I think it's all going to work out, and maybe we should just leave it up to Arlington Heights to decide whether they want to kick in any public subsidies. Well, Bill. So one correction there not the Bears. You've got to say the Bears. <laughs> That's right. But to your point about the mayor, Bill, she's still saying that she wants to keep the Bears in Chicago. What could she offer them? Well, we don't know. <laughs> and part of that is because she claims the Bears won't say what they want. But, you know, that kind of tells you that they've already made that decision to move. Is yeah, this... It seems like that ship sailed with the agreement reached with the Bears under Mayor Daley. When they redid Soldier Field in 2003, that was the opportunity. If there was going to be a new stadium built, that would have been the time to do it. I think that particularly now that there is no longer any sort of appetite to kick in additional public money for this. And even a lot of Bears fans aren't 
particularly upset given that it can be kind of a pain to get to Soldier Field. Uh, the mayor herself, season ticket holder, said she isn't pleased with the food and beer choices. And if she can't get that changed as mayor, then who can? Right. So um, I do think there's there's a lot left in this deal because it is going to be costly, of course, to get there. And I did actually interview a sports economist who said, sure, that this sounds great, but it's difficult for a team to make up that sort of money, even if there is a dome and an opportunity to host other events, uh, even if Chicago, a.k.a. Arlington Heights, Chicago, would have the opportunity to host something like the Super Bowl, that it's still difficult to get a return. So this is a ways away, but it is clear where the Bears see as a touchdown. <laughs> Every time you say that, I'm going to chuckle. Bill, how much does this have to do with uh, the sports betting piece, why they want out of Soldier Field? Well, I think that they want to own their own stadium and therefore own their own betting operation. Another reason to put up a dome stadium somewhere else, that's what uh, the Cubs are doing. And by the way, Rahm Emanuel insisted that the Cubs do their renovation without public funds, and he got away with that. So it's a little less important for a mayor to cave to these demands. I mean, Jim Thompson many years ago famously didn't let the White Sox leave town and gave them a nice public subsidy to put up a new Comiskey Park. Uh, But that's far less important these days. I mean, it'll be a mark on Lori Lightfoot's reputation, but I think the taxpayers will probably uh, split more than 50-50 in favor of her not caving to give this rich franchise a big public subsidy. Well, the former president and first lady, they're moving forward with their own development plans as well. They're back in Chicago this week for the groundbreaking of the Obama Presidential Center. And you were there, Amanda. Who else was there? Not very many people, frankly. It was sort of odd. More media than there were actual members of the audience. And that's because the Obama Foundation said in part due to COVID, but perhaps I suspect also because this development is still under such public criticism, particularly with activists, community leaders, as Obama was once himself when he said he came into his own on the South Side, who are really suspicious of this project. So by my count, there were only 16 officials in the audience, the mayor, the governor, those sort of dignitaries. But this was not the huge um, ceremonial event and groundbreaking that presumably the Obamas once envisioned. Something that was striking to me because already clearly a lot of work has been done. While it was, they put the shovels in, it was kind of um, actually humorous because uh, President Obama literally talked through (laughs) the setup and said, all right, everybody, shovels in. Oh wow! In the dirt, smiles, kind of talked through. It was truly <laughs> made for TV moment and moment. So glad that we were there for that. But um, a lot of work already done on this space in Jackson Park. Despite now, really, um, while Chicago has a housing preservation ordinance for Woodlawn, there are those now that say South Shore, another surrounding community, needs that as well. This groundbreaking, despite, by the way, ongoing litigation. It is clear from the groundbreaking that the Obamas and their foundation aren't lending much credence or hopes to any of that. And just to sort of give a picture here, because this is, of course, huge. It is the museum, library, and athletic fields. uh, The Obama 
presidential center is going to be about 20 acres of Jackson Park. Mm -hmm. The Bears looking to buy in Arlington Park 326 acres. So they would still have 306 acres left over, by the way, in comparison to what all is going on at the Obama Presidential Center. So when we're talking about the stadium, it's going to be presumably a whole lot more than that. And doesn't sound like there were any protesters at the groundbreaking. You know, it was, um, I was inside, and this was, again, a very tight event. You had to take a COVID test upon entry and got the results 10 minutes later before you were admitted. So, and the media had to get there. We were there a good two hours before the actual event began. During that time, I am told that there were some protests, uh, sort of scattered protests, not major. Uh, and there were, I did speak with two groups afterward who'd held events there trying to bring attention to their causes. One, this community uh, benefits agreement, or at least seeking Chicago action on the part of South Shore because of the worry of gentrification, uh, individuals who already own property or rent there not being able to pay their bills. And then another organization saying, hey, wait a second, if the president is here and all of these dignitaries, what are they going to do about violence? Because any sort of development like this, and you can talk about what it is going to do for the south side of Chicago mm-hmm. and the, the money, the economic benefits that it will bring, but violence needs a cure and needs national attention. There was a... I'm a tree hugger, so my protest is that they're going to cut down about 700 trees. I was a little bit relieved when Obama said at this event that we're going to plant new trees, but I still wish they would have put this thing in Washington Park and preserved all those heritage trees in Jackson Park. Bill, there was a, um, switching gears, there was a shooting in West Town at, at the bustling intersection of Grand Milwaukee and Halstead. During rush hour on Wednesday, five people were wounded in that. This is another example, I think, of a neighborhood that's really not used to seeing this kind of violence. Right, Bill? Well, it's just the latest brazen gun violence in the city that's making the city in general dangerous to go into. I mean, this is near northwest side, practically downtown. One vehicle pulls up to another and starts spraying bullets into it. Uh, Ricochets uh, wound all these other people, one critically. And it's like the city can't do anything about it. Uh, At last count, I think there were 100,000 gang members in the city, and the police pegged the number of real troublemakers at a couple of thousand. And it's just so brazen, and the police are incapable, understandably, of doing much about it. So uh, we have on one side the uh, conservatives saying that the state's attorney is more like a public defender, and on the other side, uh, the left saying that there really are no bad young people in the city, they need social services, but this kind of brazen violence just continues unabated. Amanda, Illinois state troopers are, are going to be relocated to the Chicago area to deal with the increase in expressway shootings, right? Yeah, another, I mean, 
I'll repeat Bill's word there, brazen, because this really is that, and it is out of hand. It is continuing. Chicago already has surpassed the number of expressway shootings in 2021 than it did all of 2020, and that shattered records from the year prior. Uh, The states, in addition to sending these extra patrol officers, also now has cameras that are being installed along expressways in an attempt to presumably catch perpetrators versus versus more scaring them off. Um, the experts that I've talked to about this, again, are have a very difficult time putting their finger on what can be done about it. Often these are near some of Chicago's more troubled and historically disinvested neighborhoods. And further, it's difficult at times to catch somebody coming on or yeah. off a highway when it is just a splatter of gunshots that lead to more people, just wrong place, wrong time, innocent victims, um, sometimes losing their lives. It really is scary, troubling, and um, don't quite know what more can be done about it. But clearly the state and the city need to be pulling out all the stops. Another big story this week, Amanda, Chicago singer R. Kelly found guilty of sex trafficking and racketeering. Now, we know that there's still going to be a trial in Illinois. Briefly, how might the Illinois trial be different from the New York one? Actually, I think potentially a couple. There is a Cook County suit and then also one in Chicago federal court. And from my understanding, having not covered the R. Kelly situation intimately, uh, that this could be even more prison time for him because this involves child pornography, obstruction of justice, so more charges for the R&B star that once presumably did get away with that signature song, I Believe I Can Fly, and he did. He flew under the radar, and wow, how quickly he has fallen. We don't know yet what his sentence will be out of New York and what that might mean for any sort of legal strategy going forward in Chicago, but he's looking at a very long prison sentence, presumably. And Bill, former alderman Ricardo Munoz, he's pleaded guilty to federal wire fraud and money laundering. What exactly did he do? Well, he uh, pilfered about $16,000 out of a fund that the city council progressive aldermen keep for political uh, operations. Uh, I got to say that Rick uh, was one of the more likable crooks I covered at City Hall over the years. But, you know, they're just so often these crooks are charming as well. And you wouldn't have guessed, like a Larry Bloom, that Rick Munoz was a crook. And a judge has finalized a settlement between former U.S. House Speaker Dennis Hastert and a man who alleged that Hastert sexually abused him decades ago. Remind us again, Bill, who is Dennis Hastert? Well, he's your former Speaker of the House. I think the longest serving speaker, kind of a reform choice back in the day, who was a wrestling coach who uh, was accused of, uh, you know, bad behavior with the the children, in in essence, uh, pedophilia. But this case is not about that. This case is about him making good on an alleged promise to pay one of his alleged victims millions of dollars to uh, keep quiet. And uh, this apparently is not going to go to trial. There will be a settlement, but we don't know what the details are yet. 
That is former City Hall reporter for WLS Radio, Bill Cameron, and Amanda Vinicky of WTTW's Chicago Tonight. We still have plenty of news to talk about, including stories like these. We saw dozens of students out there in front of those fraternity houses here in Northwestern University's campus in Evanston. They're demanding the university take action after campus police say more than one student came forward saying they were drugged at two separate fraternity houses. A group of aldermen are calling on Mayor Lightfoot to drop the vaccine mandate for city workers. They are arguing it violates people's constitutional rights. Two giants of Chicago media and journalism could be joining forces. Reports from WBEZ, Chicago Public Media, and the Chicago Sun-Times say leadership at each company has confirmed they are in talks of becoming a combined entity. Amanda, I'll come to you first. There were a lot of reporters in North Suburban Evanston this week where Northwestern University suspended fraternity activities after multiple women alleged that they were unknowingly drugged at frat houses. What are the details? So Sasha and I have to admit, I was not one of those reporters. And frankly, wow, I'm so removed from the the college scene that it is um, hard to really grasp what the students there are going through. But what was what occurred was several instances of women drugged without their consent, evidently at fraternity houses and a large student protest, the leaders of whom say they want to really remain anonymous um, because uh, for fear, it seems of some sort of retribution here and really wanting an overhaul of the Greek system on the campus. Uh, right now, there is a ban on social return, uh, on social activities by these fraternities, mm-hmm. which is key to what they do. It, it's not what sororities and fraternities are intended for. Uh, they, I have to confess, I was a member of a sorority myself at a different uh, university and it's founded on you know philanthropy and sisterhood and clearly it is not that whenever you have somebody being drugged without your consent. I mean, this is uh, sexual assault needs to be taken very seriously and students feeling as if the administration at Northwestern not taking it seriously enough and that support, survivors are not giving the support that they need. Well, Bill, Northwestern has had trouble with fraternities in the past. Do you think that they would ever seriously consider getting rid of Greek life altogether? I would think so. I mean, because of the Bill Crosby case and the Me Too movement, you would think the message would be getting through that you've got to knock off this kind of behavior. It's criminal these days. And if they won't knock it off, these rich kids, you know, do away with the Greek uh, style. Do away with uh, fraternities. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Switching gears, Bill, uh, today is the deadline for city workers to get vaccinated mm-hmm. uh, in order to meet the mayor's deadline. Is the mayor still getting pushback from some of the city employees? Well, she is. Even half a dozen aldermen are saying this is not something we should do, which is hard to figure because, I mean, why not get vaccinated against something that could kill you? But uh, this has become a political issue, as we all know. And uh, what is still kind of fuzzy is if on the 15th, when the absolute uh, uh, requirement takes effect, you know, they're supposed to have their their vaccination today so that in two weeks when it takes full effect, they will be protected. We still don't know whether City Hall will cave a little bit and allow uh, workers to present a uh, negative COVID test on the 15th and thereafter periodically to remain employed. Um, So far, they're resisting that, but they may cave to that. Six aldermen known to be big supporters of the police um, sent a letter to the mayor asking her to rethink 
the mandate. Do you think that she will? I don't think she will. She's famous for not being pushed around by other elements, especially unions. And many of these uh, aldermen are backed big time by the unions. So I would think she'd want to hang tough and use public health as, you know, a very convincing argument. I do think, by the way, that there was a a meeting supposedly going to be taking place between the city and the FOP, which has been, uh, again, these aldermen very strong supporters of the Chicago police. And a a meeting was to be held this morning. I have not heard at this point what came of it. Well, what do you think will happen, Amanda, to city employees who refuse to get the shot? You know, I actually did a story this week that was sort of interesting uh, in terms and spoke with the leader of the Illinois Fraternal Order of Police, who said that Chicago's FOP may well be a test case legally for use of an Illinois law that's long been on the books, meant to protect doctors and other health care providers that have religious or conscientious objections to performing uh, surgeries and such, such as abortions, meant to give them protection. Instead, uh, as the law is written, there is a belief that people can use that employees who do not want to abide by mandates in Illinois to be vaccinated or even tested can rely on the Health Care Right of Conscience Act to get around that. And we've already seen, at least in one school district uh, that is downstate, that the district is accepting of that for now because a state mandate already taking effect for teachers who had to have had at least their first dose as well as for those in healthcare settings. So uh, again, the Illinois Fraternal Order of Police saying that he believes that Chicago might be, uh, the Chicago police, uh, Chicago FOP could well be the test case in court as they seek to put forward that argument for those who do not want to get vaccinated but keep their jobs as police officers in Chicago. Bill, while while the mayor is still at odds with the police union over the mandate, word did come out that a former head of the police union was in intensive care due to COVID. Can you tell us about Dean Angelo and what we know about his condition? Uh, They're not saying exactly what the condition is, except that he continues to be in intensive care. Really a good guy, you know, a great example of how nice guys get all the trouble. He was one of the last nice guy FOP presidents who worked through compromises, was not a confrontational leader. And it's just a shame that he gets caught up in the COVID thing. Uh, Bill, earlier this week, United Airlines said that uh, it would begin terminating almost 600 employees if they refused to get vaccinated. Now, by yesterday, that number went down, almost halved to 320. Is that a sign that the vaccine mandate's working? Yeah, I think absolutely. Employment is the one factor you can threaten to coerce people into doing what they ought to be doing, and that's vaccinating themselves against COVID. And, uh, you know, that's positive proof that it works if you uh, threaten to take away their job. Well, there were some changes in local media that we should talk about that made news this week, including right here at WBEZ. The parent organization of WBEZ, which is Chicago Public Media, announced it intends to acquire the Chicago Sun-Times. Now, the Sun-Times, Bill, it has a unique history of ownership, doesn't it? It really does. And Michael Sachs, the entrepreneur who's been very generous in supporting the Sun-Times for years, uh, has been unable to uh, get it turned profitable, and he's been looking for a partner to go uh, not-for-profit 
And uh, you guys at BEZ are a strong example of that. And so it seems to be the case that the Sun-Times is looking to go not-for-profit, merge with somebody like BEZ, uh, share resources and platforms, and make themselves viable on a not-for-profit basis. And it, you know, it's beginning to work in other markets and could work here. Can you put in perspective what the reputation of the Sun-Times is like, in comparison with the Tribune? And, and just its overall significance here in Chicago. Well, I think the first thing you think of is uh, the Sun-Times is very pro-worker, very, very focused on Chicago and its minority neighborhoods, uh, whereas the Tribune is more suburban-oriented and uh, speaks from the ivory, ivory Tower on its editorial pages. So you've got two different kinds of uh, markets there. And it's important that we remain a two-newspaper town so that both of those markets get served. What do you think, Amanda? Do you see this as a sign that our industry is still struggling to, to figure out different business models? What are your thoughts? Not sure we needed not sure that we needed another sign of that, unfortunately. But yes, I I do see that as a sign and also perhaps a savior because, uh, as Bill noted, the not-for-profit model is something that increasingly we're seeing uh, institutions turn to as somebody that works for a public media institution. Clearly, there there ha- is a long history and support of that as a model. We've also seen you know entities like Block Club really thrive and command an audience there by going around. The traditional, uh, the traditional ad-driven classifieds that they're gone. It is the way of the internet now. So anything that will continue more high-quality journalism in Chicago is wonderful by me. I think still, obviously, a lot of questions to be answered in terms of how this will work, and hopes that journalism jobs will be protected as this goes forward. Well, also at the Sun Times, reporter and editor Tom McNamee announced that he's going to be retiring. He's been the editorial page editor for 13 years. He joined the paper in 1982. Bill, Tom also had a radio show over at WLS where you covered City Hall. What do you know about Tom and and his work? Well, I know that uh, he started as a reporter at the Sun-Times, and this reminds me we should pay tribute to reporters at newspapers because they're so often the ones who dig out the stories that set the news agenda for everybody else in town, including radio and television news shops. Not that we don't do ours as well, but it's these newspaper reporters who have the luxury of the time to dig out the stories. And uh, without them, people like Tom McNamee and many others, we wouldn't be unearthing the stories that keep the powerful in check. Amanda, we also had a departure over at the Tribune. This week, managing editor Christine Taylor announced that she's leaving. Uh, Next Friday will be her last day, and it comes just a couple weeks after a new executive editor arrived at the paper. She was the highest-ranking woman in the Tribune's newsroom, wasn't she? She was, and so two points there, Sasha, and first of all, you, one has to wonder, and I'm not privy to inside information on this, but whether this is frustration over being passed over for that top job. Uh, then again, I know you, you teased earlier that the show is going to be talking about burnout, and certainly I believe um, McMahon, one of, in, in his sign-off, said that journalism has gotten harder than ever. So it may well be that, and I think it's particularly the case under Alden, difficult times at the Chicago Tribune because of it. And then also, as you noted, she was uh, uh, the top 
woman at the Tribune. And we've seen a lot of changes in um, leadership. WBEZ's former CEO, um, Goalie, is no longer there at the helm. I know at WTTW, we do have a woman CEO, although the top news person in our department um, did leave about a year ago or so, Mary Field, and also um, Kara Marine no longer in the best. So really a whole lot of changeovers in journalism in terms of both who's still in the game and leading with the headlines and deadlines and also just the industry writ large in a state of turmoil. And Bill, another thing worth noting from this week, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle announced that she's going to be seeking a fourth term. Now, she's held that office since 2010. She is the only declared candidate in the race so far. Do you think that we'll see any other strong candidates? I, I doubt it because she polls really well, loves the job, has is also the party chairman of Cook County Democrats. So uh, she doesn't want to quit because she's still having fun and is effective in her role as uh, a social Democrat, if you will. She, uh, Her protege is the state's attorney of Cook County, Kim Fox, and uh, Tony is a very important uh, pusher of the fact that we need to accommodate social agendas to get us out of the deep urban problems. Uh, that's still a work in progress, but she wants to keep at it. Before we go, any stories that are on your radar for the coming week? You first, Bill. Well, let me think. Um, for me, I'm going to Florida, so I haven't been thinking about the coming week. <laughs> Retired life. <laughs> That's right. How I, soon I'm we forget. No deadlines at all. <laughs> no deadlines. Wow, what's that like? Um, how about you, Amanda? I know you got several. Yeah, the eviction moratorium will be coming to an end, so certainly going to be keeping an eye on what that means. There's a lot of money through government programs, city, state, county at every level, uh, but will that be enough to keep those who are having a hard time paying their mortgages and their rent in their homes, particularly as it is about to be? We are, I hate to say it, um, the opposite of Florida and going to be entering those cold winter months in Chicago sooner than later, and so keeping an eye certainly on that, and then also so um, we're, by golly, in October, and so this month the General Assembly will be returning to Springfield for what's supposed to be the veto session. Not a whole lot of veto action, but going to be keeping an eye on how the legislative or how the congressional maps are redrawn as Illinois is now down another seat in its delegation to Washington and what that might mean for the balance of power not only in Illinois, but in D.C. as well, clearly something that um, I think, given what is playing out at the nation's capital right now in terms of debt ceiling, infrastructure, and the quote-unquote build back better agenda, something that is key in terms of the uh, relationship and balance of power in Washington. Well, you'll certainly be busy. That is Amanda Vinicky of WTTW Chicago Tonight, also with us, former City Hall reporter for WLS Radio, Bill Cameron. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend and enjoy Florida, Bill. Thanks for joining us for the weekly news recap. To really understand the stories behind the headlines, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Then please take a few seconds to give us a rating and review. It really helps other people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.